Welcome to Ambo TV. Each week we bring you dynamic sermons from next generation pastors from across the country. And as always, they're bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. And then we discuss them right here in studio. I'm your host, Dean, hashtag Blessed Windsor. And today we have a great show for you. We have sermons from Rochester and Georgia. And first up is Northridge Church in Rochester, New York with Pastor Aaron Hickson. He's talking about the holiness of God and what that means for us God's children. And next, we go to Loganville, Georgia with Pastor Dustin Barker at Elevation Point Church. His sermon is called, I Just Want Peace. And I mean, hey, who can't get with that? And he's telling us how we should love unconditionally. And lastly, we go to Forsyth, Georgia with Pastor Chris Emmett. He's in their new sermon series, Good Hunting. Not goodwill hunting, but good hunting. So no Matt Damon appearances, but this week he's encouraging us to go with God and he's coming from the book of Exodus. And I'll be joined in studio with returning guest, Pastor Emmanuel Barlow of the Excelling Church. He's gonna help us break down these messages and I can't wait and I can't wait to share them with you. But right now, let's go to Rochester with Pastor Aaron. They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So let's notice a couple things here. First of all, they say God is holy three times. And this is not just mindless repetition, okay? This is meant to be like an emphatic declaration that this is who God is. All around the clock, for all of human history, there are angels declaring that God is, in his essence, fully and completely and entirely holy. And so that repetition is important. We wanna notice the fact that they said it three times. But then also notice that what they're saying three times is holy. They're not saying good, good, good. They're not saying love, love, love. They're not saying sovereign, sovereign, sovereign. Those are things that God is, but they're declaring his holiness. So there's something distinct. There's, there's something central about God's holiness that we can, that we can gather. And just so you don't think that this is like some, okay, one isolated incident where something happened, there's actually another guy who gets dropped into the throne room of God and gets a glimpse as to what's happening. He also reports people singing about God all the time. And this is 700 years later. This is a guy named John who was a friend of Jesus. And here's what he says is happening in Revelation 4.8. He says, day and night, they never stop saying. What are they saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So there it is again. This is 700 years later, and he sees the same thing. They're declaring God's holiness above everything else, repeating it over and over. And so what I think we can kind of gather from these glimpses that we get into God's throne room is that God's essential characteristic is his holiness. God's essential characteristic is his holiness. When the dust settles, if we have to trace everything about who God is back to its very center, what we would find at the core of who God is, is that he is holy. All of his other attributes are ultimately flowing from this idea of his holiness. And this doesn't diminish any of his other qualities. He's not more holy than he is loving or something like that. But it does mean that the essence of who God is can be summed up in the word holy. So that's neat. But what does holiness mean, <laughs> right? Well, if we don't know what it means, we're not getting anywhere in terms of progress. I think we have to think about the meaning of the word holy. And we're going to think about it kind of at a base level and then maybe at a little bit of a deeper level. At, just at the surface level, the word holy means set apart. That's a definition of the word. It just means set apart. 
there are kind of like word clusters in both Hebrew and Greek that convey this idea. Those are the two languages that the majority of the Bible was written in. And it just means like to be removed from the crowd, kind of set apart, distinct, or other in some way. But if we're going to grasp, I think, like the bigger biblical picture of this, we can't just go with what the word means. We need to understand its fuller meaning in its context. What other aspects of God's holiness is this word trying to convey? And I think there are two aspects of God's separateness or his holiness, two components of that that we have to understand. His holiness, first of all, means that God is perfectly unique. The first component of God's holiness is that he is perfectly unique. And we're going to look all throughout this sermon at a lot of different um, biblical passages. So we'll put them on the screen so you can follow along. This first one is in 1 Samuel chapter 2. It says, there is no one holy like the Lord. There's no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do you see what's being emphasized here? Well, the fact is that God is incomparable. You can't compare anything to him. There's no one like God. There's no one holy like him. In other words, there are things that are holy, but they aren't holy in the way that God is holy. Or look at this one in Exodus 15. It says, who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory and working wonders. His holiness, it says it's majestic, it's grand, it's sweeping, it's unrivaled. Or here's this one. This one's actually from God himself, speaking of himself in Isaiah. It says, I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. God's set-apartness is unparalleled. He is perfectly unique in his holiness, in his greatness, in his power, and in his majesty. He's perfectly unique. But there's another component to his holiness. It's not just that he is perfectly unique. He is also uniquely perfect. He's also uniquely perfect. And so this is the idea of purity. God isn't just separate from everything else just for arbitrary reasons because he feels like it. It's because he is perfect and flawless and he cannot interact with anything that isn't perfect and flawless. And so we read this in the Psalm, Psalm 24. It says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? In other words, who gets to interact with God? Who gets to like be with him? Well, the answer is he who has clean hands and a pure heart. So who can approach God? Well, the person who can approach God is somebody who is like God, who is clean and pure. Or in Habakkuk chapter one, it says, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. God isn't just perfectly unique, meaning separated by himself in a league of his own. He's also uniquely perfect. No other being in the universe is as morally pure as God There isn't the smallest inkling, like the tiniest little scrap of wrongness in God. He is the standard for goodness and for purity. All right, we're back, and Pastor Emmanuel is joining me. Thank you so much for being back, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me back. All right, and look, we get to kick it off with with a big one here, and that is, you know, Pastor here is talking about, besides God's holiness, it's who, he makes a point about who gets to sit at God's table, pretty much, and he's saying um, clean hands and pure heart. Mm -hmm. So what if we've gotten our hands dirty in life? You know, is there a way to, you know, wash them, get them clean and and, and keep them that way? I think it's important that we um, listen to the whole sermon. Okay. Because the pastor goes on to say, and he begins to discuss how God wants the relationship 
with us, but because we're flawed, there's a separation. So what do you do about that? Does God change who he is to have a relationship with us? Mm. No. What he does is he sends the answer to our unclean hands and pours all of the wrath that he would have toward our sin on his son mm. so that we no longer have to pay that price. And that's what gives us the right to a seat at the table. The father gave the son. The son gave his life. Now we have the right to life. Okay. So now, but it's not like a, a free pass, right? right? So just because Jesus died for our right. sins, he died on the cross, it doesn't give us a free pass. It's just, oh, okay, cool. Like, well, right. you know, Jesus died for me so I can do what I want to do. So what would be kind of the way to avoid those pitfalls? Well, the Bible says that we sin daily mm. in word and thought and in deed. And this is why it's important that we remain prayerful. Right. And in our prayer, consistently um, ask for forgiveness. Okay. God, forgive me for the sins that I knew I was doing, the mm. ones that I didn't know I was doing, because at the end of the day, I need to live a life that's pleasing towards God. I need God to be pleased with my lifestyle. And so the, Jesus also tells them, if you keep your mind stayed on me, mm -hmm. I'll keep you in perfect peace. So anything that's going on, whether you're upset, whether you're angry, uh, whether you're hurt, whether everything is going crazy, if you keep your mind stayed on me, mm -hmm. then I'll keep you. I love it. All right. Look, keep your mind focused on Jesus and he'll keep you. And we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more Pastor Emmanuel and Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing you next generation pastors from across the country. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Aaron, but right now I want to get to Pastor Dustin Barker. Let's go ahead and check him out. I'm not loving you to try to get something. I'm loving you because of what I've been given. I'm loving out of a place of gratitude. God, I thank you for what you've done in my life. Now I'm going to spread it the way that you have told me to spread it. Love must be sincere. And the motivation of what we do actually matters more than what we do. The motivation of why we tell somebody, I love you, matters more than telling somebody, I love you. Because we go around, we'll tell people, I love you. I love you. I got love for you. Yeah. Right? It's all good. We're good. I love you. But the reality is, we're just planning our next move. So if I tell this person I love them long enough, then by the time somebody else shows up, I won't be high and dry because I'll hitch my wagon here. So now once somebody else shows up, I can just move on over to here. It's real quiet. <laughs> because love is powerful. It's powerful. Telling somebody I love you is powerful. And I'm not just talking about romantically. I'm talking about in your day-to-day -day life. Telling somebody that you love them is powerful because everybody wants love. Everybody wants love. And love, being told that someone loves them can build somebody up. Being told that you are unloved can tear somebody down. But you know the only thing worse than being told that you're unloved is being told that you're loved only to find out you were never actually loved. They loved what they could get from you and what you had to offer. And now that you don't have that thing to offer anymore, their motivation for loving you goes out the window. Yeah. 
That's the only thing that's worse. And so it's so important that we get our motivation right, that we get our hearts right with why am I telling somebody I love them? Why am I telling my friends I love them? Is it because I'm trying to use them to do things? No, I got to tell people, listen, I love you because that's who I am. I love you because that's, that's what I'm called to do. And it's not just strangers. It's not just strangers that say that they love you, but really they don't. A lot of times it's those who are closest to us. It's our friends. It's our family. It's those who are closest to us that are around us all the time. And if you do not believe me, go out, win the lottery. Go on the news. Let people know you won the lottery. And all of a sudden you're going to have friends and family that you hadn't seen in 10 years showing up to remind you how much they love you, how much they're here for you, how much they want to be there for you. Y'all know the people I'm talking about too. Some of y'all in your minds right now, you're like, "Uh uh-huh, yep, yep, them, yep, yep, yep. You know the people I'm talking about. The ones who only show up and love you whenever it's convenient. The ones who only show up and love you whenever they need something, whenever they're trying to get something from you. But hear me on this. Manipulation is not love. Manipulation is not love. Some of us, in our minds, the reason that we keep going from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship, from marriage to marriage to marriage to marriage to marriage, to all these things, is because in our minds, we've been tricked into thinking that we are loved when we're really just being manipulated. Some of us are the ones doing the manipulation. But manipulation is not love. If the only time that you call somebody that you hang out with somebody, that you message somebody, is when you need something, that is not love, that's manipulation. It's manipulation. And I know I got all my spiritual folk in here today, and we're all like, I would never do that. You know, through this series, I have grown. I don't do that anymore. Well, how about this right here? If the only time that you pray, the only time that you read your Bible, the only time that you give, is when you need something from God, that is not love, that is manipulation. Pastor Dustin Barker, and I mean, it's true. He's saying it's not love, it's it's manipulation, but... People, I like to think it's it's people treat it like a business transaction yeah. too. Like like religion is transactionary. I put something in, get something out. Mm-hmm. So how do we be more selfless in our faith? I think the as Pastor was saying, the root of it has to be pure. Right. Okay. If you love God because of who God is, then you can do that. If you love God because of what God can do for you, mm. now you need to reevaluate okay. that, right? Um, God, think of it this way. God allowed his son to come to earth mm-hmm. to pay the price of sin for people who would still reject him. Mm. So it doesn't matter to God, it didn't matter that some people would still reject him. It didn't matter that some people wouldn't accept him. What mattered was that he gave them the option. Okay. And so that's what we need to get. We need to get to the point where it doesn't matter if I ever gain anything from it. But I love God, so as long as I have a relationship with him, I'm good. We look at Christianity as a debit card. Mm. 
I put a little praise in the bank account with my debit yeah. card. I withdraw a blessing. All right. See, that's it. Look, our faith is not a debit card. It's not a bank account, man. You can't just put something in and expect something back. It doesn't work like that. Take it from Pastor Emmanuel. That's great advice. Right now, I want to go ahead and throw it over to Pastor Chris Emmett. Let's go ahead and check him out. The first excuse Moses says is this, is who am I? Who am I? Moses, I need you to lead the people of Israel. And Lord, who am I to go before Pharaoh? Who am I to stand before the Lord? I'm not sure if you understand, but I've been talking to sheep for the past 40 years, not government officials. Like, who am I to do this? But there's certainly somebody else. And God reminds Moses of his authority. So instead of sitting on the excuse of who am I, go with God's authority. If God called you, if God opened up the door, if he's leading you to a certain direction, rest in his authority, not on who you think you are or who you think you should be. I think it's easy to go, well, who am I to really be a stepmom or stepdad? I'm barely, you know, keeping life together for myself. Who am I to step into entrepreneurship? I'm, I, this is not me. Who am I to step into this new season, to this new school, to this new opportunity? Lord, this is not me. And you need to understand that if God moves, if he opens the door, if he steps into a new season, it's on his authority, not on yours. And when it's God's authority in God's name, there is nothing that can stop it or can change it. And so you might be scared. You might be fearful. You might go, well, who am I? Like this, this is certainly outside my comfort zone. You rest in the authority of God because when God says it, when he ordains it, there's nothing that can go against God's authority. I love watching sports, and uh, in particular, two sports that I love to watch um, for this particular reason. I love to watch uh, NBA and Major League Baseball because I love to watch five foot eight referees throw seven foot tall athletes out of a game. <laughs> and then I love to see like just short little like umpires throw like a six foot three muscle bound athlete with a wooden club in his hand <laughs> out of the game. I, I, it's, it, it, I don't care how big the athlete, how tall the athlete, how much money the athlete makes. When that five foot eight referee or umpire says something, it stands. And my favorite, and I love this, is when the umpire, the referees, like they know it and it becomes a little show for them. Like I love when the umpire or the referee is like, eh, you're out of here like that. You know, and it's, it, and it, there's nothing that seven-foot-tall NBA player can do. There's nothing that six-foot-three muscle-bound Major League Baseball. They can whine and complain, but when that umpire, when that referee says something, it sticks. Why? Authority. When God begins to call, when God begins to move, God reminds Moses, listen, it's not your name, it's my name. I am who I am. And when I say things, things happen. You rest and you go with God's authority. Excuse number two comes in later, chapter four, verse one. Again, Moses is talking to God, verse one, it says, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe or listen to me? And what if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab his tail. And Moses said, ain't no way. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's my version. Sorry. Um, <laughs> probably would have said other things. But I was like, okay, so Moses 
reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told them. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. Second excuse Moses comes up with is simply this. What if? What if? What if they don't believe me? What if they say this? What if that doesn't work out? And God reminds him that it's not his ability, it is God's ability. It is God's power working through him. Instead of sitting on the excuse, what if, go with God's ability. All right, go with God's ability. And it seems rather easy for you know, Moses or Noah because they got to actually converse and speak to God and God allowed them to ask questions. So how would somebody, and we won't get, a lot of us won't get that opportunity, you know, so how can we tell if we're being called to do something specifically? One, I know it's a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> For me, uh, one of the ways I knew that I was called to ministry and to serve people in general um, was that no matter how hard I tried to get away from it, mm. it always found me. Okay. Your purpose is always going to find you. Uh, you think of Joseph. Okay. Um, was favored by his father and his brothers despised him and they sold him and everywhere Joseph went, he rose to power. Hmm. Right? No matter where they put him, they, they sold him, put him in jail, became a servant and soon becomes the ruler, the second in command in Egypt. And so if your purpose is continuously finding you, then that's what it is. I love that answer, man. Joseph did always rise to power. And if you, if you feel that coming, if you see it happening in your life, then I think you also may know your calling. And with that, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Chris Emmett, but right now I want to get back to Pastor Aaron in Northridge. Let's go ahead and check him out. So the final response, we need to respect it, we need to accept it, and we need to chase it. We need to chase it. What do I mean? How do we chase after holiness? Didn't Jesus give us our holiness? Aren't we already wearing the robe of his perfection? Why should we have to chase after holiness? Well, here... As Christians is where another paradox enters the picture for us. We have to come to understand the difference between our position and our practice. Our position and our practice. If you're a Christ follower here today, I have good news. You have been given perfection through Jesus. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees Jesus. He sees his perfection and his holiness. So technically, your standing with God is perfectly stable. It's perfectly secure. You already have all of the holiness you need. That's great news. But then if you look at your life, or if you look at my life, what you're gonna find is that we are far from perfect. There's a whole lot of unholiness going on inside of me. And so what do we do with that tension? Well, this is where spiritual growth comes into play. Christians are on a lifelong journey of resting in the perfection that we've been given while simultaneously pursuing a life that reflects that perfection. I love what Hebrews says, Hebrews 12. It says, make every effort to what? Live at peace with everyone. In other words, don't let people think God is holier than thou because you're holier than thou. And to be holy. Make every 
effort. We should be striving to be holy, just like God is holy, perfect and without flaw. But what we have to recognize is that we will constantly make decisions that make us fall short of that standard. And so it's gonna be easy to begin to feel like we have to earn the holiness back. Like that our motivation should be to just try harder or to be better or to like find that robe of holiness we were given and try to like scrub it off. But the process of becoming more holy, of becoming more set apart, or the fancy term is sanctification, that process is a process of striving to live in practice what we've been given in position. It's a process of learning to live in practice what we've been given in position. Another way is to say that we need to accurately reflect in our lives what we've been given in God's eyes to accurately reflect in our lives what God has given, I mean, what we are been given in God's eyes. So for Christians, we find ourselves in this weird position of having deep gratitude for the perfection we've already been given, but needing deep motivation to find the pockets of unholiness in our life and purge them out. So which one do we need to focus on this week? Which one? Do you need to alter your view of God? Maybe you've seen him as vindictive and judgmental and distant. I hope you can see that's how he could have been, but he is incredibly gracious and loving and has made a way for you to know him. Or maybe you have the opposite problem. Maybe you've lost sight of the majesty and the perfection of God. And it's been real casual. And you need, to, you need to go back to remembering the truth of how lofty, how other, how holy our God is and how incredible it is that something that perfect would choose a relationship with us. Or maybe you just have areas of your life, like I do, um, where we're not meeting the standard of holiness that God has set for us. Is it in what you watch, what you say, who you hang out with, how you live, who you date? What needs to change in your life to become more like Christ, to better reflect his holiness, to better reflect the position that you've been given. I mean, being Christ-like, right? That, that's a tenant, a, a pillar of our faith. But are we putting too much on ourselves? Is that like we've set the bar so high, as high as it can go, Jesus. Mm. Are we putting too much on ourselves? Like, is that too much for a human to handle this constant idea of thinking, I need to be like Jesus? Because Jesus was perfect and humans aren't perfect. Are we putting too much on ourselves? I don't think so. I okay, think, please. I think that I, I take into the scripture. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, when we think of a sacrifice, we, let's go back to the Old Testament. Right, where the priest would make a sacrifice for the people for atonement of their sins. I think we tend to romanticize the process of that. The priest just grabbed an animal and walked it over to the altar and killed it and let the blood. But that's not what happened. The priest had to fight with the sacrifice. Okay. They had to fight with the goat. The goat is pulling back, the cow is pulling back, the sheep is pulling back. They had to drag it over to the altar mm. and sacrifice it. And so that's now our job within ourselves mm. to sacrifice ourselves to fight with those things those thoughts those uh, impurities those habits that would keep us from being like christ and leave it and slay it on the altar and let it be there that is your sacrifice and so no it's not too much to be like jesus it's work 
Mm. but it's worth it. Now that I like, that's a great explanation that I can live with hard work. It's worth it all the way. And with that, I want to go ahead and throw it back over to Pastor Dustin Barker. Let's go ahead and check him out. Well, what's the motivation for why you're helping them? Are you helping them so that they will help you? Or are you helping them because that's what you are called to do? We have to make up our minds. God, no matter what they do, I'm choosing others above myself. No matter how they treat me, I'm choosing others always. Always, no matter what, I'm choosing others always. No matter what it looks like, I'm choosing others always. But they're choosing, they're choosing themselves. It does not matter. We're not called to live like others. We're called to live like Jesus. And Jesus chose everyone else above himself. Everyone, you, me, everyone. He chose the people that you think probably he didn't even come for. Guess what? He came for them too. The ones that you think there's no way that Jesus could love them. They're a Patriots fan. There's no way. No way. Nobody is exempt from the love of Jesus. Nobody is exempt from the cross. And he died for each and every person. And when we live our lives understanding that Jesus loved everyone above himself, then it causes us to realize how we need to live in love. Choosing others always, no matter what it looks like. Because when it comes down to it, it's a choice. It is a choice. It's a choice how we act. It's a choice how we live. And we need to learn to control yourself. Control yourself. Some of us are grown adults that need our mom to teach us a lesson again on self-respect because we don't know how to control ourselves. Some of us want to blame the decisions that we make and the things that we do on everybody else. But the reality is, yes, those things might've happened to you, but you still control yourself. We gotta learn to control yourself. It said in verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, not your mom, not your dad, not your spouse, not your ex, as far as it depends on you, live at, peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Because you cannot control people. You can't control what they do to you. You can't control what they say to you. You can't control what they take from you. But guess what you can control? You can control yourself. You can control your peace. Stop giving your peace to everybody else to control. You can control your peace. When you live in a way that chooses others always and when you learn to love always, then no matter what they do, even if somebody hurts you, I'm good. Even if they leave you, I'm good. Even if they betray you, I'm good because I wasn't doing what I was doing for what you could or could not do for me. I was doing what I was doing because that's what I'm called to do. I wasn't acting this way because of what I wanted you to do for me. I was acting this way because of what I've been called to do. And I can't control you, but me, that I can control. I can control me. I can't control you. I'm not even going to try, but I can control myself. I can control me. And we got to stop allowing everybody else to control our peace. Some of us have taken our peace and without realizing it, we've just handed it 
to somebody else to control it. Because if they're up, we're up. If they're down, we're down. If they don't help us, we're mad. If they leave us, we're left. Like we don't know how to handle it because we've given our peace to somebody else. But we shouldn't let anybody else control us but us. Got to learn to control yourself. Pastor Dustin Barker letting us know we got to control ourselves a bit. And I mean, he's right. It's, so there's so many methods and so many things that people do to try to block out the negative and stay focused on positive things because it's so healthy just mm -hmm. to stay positive. Do you have any personal methods that you can kind of share with us that you, know, you use to stay positive? Um, I have two accountability partners. Okay. Who, <laughs> whenever I'm feeling like things are going wrong and I'm just, I just, ah. Yeah, right? yeah, I'm there. <laughs> I'll call them and I'll have a conversation with them. And they usually have an ability to remind me of what is good hmm. and what is going right. Um, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, when Judas left the table, Jesus didn't go running after him. Mm. He focused on who was still at the table. Okay. And so I think that's what we need to do. When things go wrong, let's not focus on what's wrong, that we abandon what's right. Okay. So I, now I literally have an example of this because just the other day, you know, we don't get political on this show at all, mm -hmm. but... Uh, the other day, a friend of mine is just constantly posting up about the same thing, and, and mm -hmm. I, I tried to explain to him, don't, why are you letting this person rent so much space in your head? Mm -hmm. Like, stop. There, there's nothing we can do about this right now. So I need to try to kind of get you to pull back a little bit and stop letting the negativity rent space in your head yeah. because it's prime real estate, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we, we have to be a little more diligent in who we rent the space to yeah. in our heads. And with that, we're going to be back with more Ambo TV and Pastor Emmanuel. Welcome back to Ambo TV, home of the next generation pastors. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Dustin Barker, but right now I want to get back to Pastor Chris Emmett in Forsyth, Georgia. So many of us, if stubbornness comes out, Lord, please send anybody else. I want to go back to the sheep. I want to go back. Lord, this is, this is insane, Lord. It's Pharaoh. I haven't been back to Egypt in 40 years. Lord, anybody else. And God goes, I will be with you and I'll be with Aaron. And Moses obeys and he steps out of, outside of his comfort zone and for the next 40 years becomes the leader of the nation of Israel, leads them out of slavery of the Egyptians for the next 40 years becomes their leader. Why? Because he went the plan of God rather than his own excuse. Bottom line is simply this, go with God and you will find good. Go with God and you will find good. Go with his ability. You go with his authority. You go with his creativity. You go with his company. Go with God. And I promise you won't have any regrets. And I get that so many of you in here, you've got your 10-year plan. You've got goals. You've got benchmarks. You've got strategies. You've got things you want to do. But what happens if God's plan for your life doesn't line up with your 10-year plan? What if you've got a certain direction in a certain way and God goes, that's, that's sweet, 
but here's what I want you to do. That's nice, but I want you to go this way. Moses, I get you with the sheep and all that. You're a great shepherd. But Moses, here's what I want you to do. Go with God and you will find God. Do not get stuck in your own stubborn ways going, this is what I want to have. Moses could have easily have gone back to the sheep and going, God, I hear you. That's great, but I'm going back to the sheep. And for the rest of his life, he'd have been a shepherd. But instead, he steps out on faith, follows God, and becomes the leader of the nation of Israel. Go with God and you will find good. At my house, I've got a bunch of oak trees, tall oak trees, tall pine trees, just like there are all over the state. Beautiful, massive, impressive trees. Tall, strong, impressive. Also on my property, I've got one dinky, scrawny, tiny little willow tree. And whenever a strong windstorm comes, and I have a tree down right now, those oak trees and those pine trees, as impressive as they are, they're also stubborn. And when that wind blows and blows and blows, sometimes that wind snaps on those trees and it falls down. It's stubborn and it won't move, but that wind, if strong enough, will snap it and it falls down. But that willow tree, as dinky and as tiny as it is, when the wind blows, it blows this way, and then it blows back this way, and then sometimes it blows backwards, and sometimes, well, whichever way the wind's blowing, that willow tree is going. It's the same way you should be with the will of God in your life. Don't be this anchored, this is what I'm going to do. I'm so stubborn. Be the will of truth. God, you want me to go this way? I will. God, you're changing the direction. God, you just show me which way to go, and I will follow you. Go with God, and you will find good. Stay stubborn in your own way, and you'll miss out on the ride of a lifetime. Moses could have gone, man, well, that's, that's good, but I'm, I'm out. Excuse after excuse has great excuses, but ultimately steps in to the plan and the purpose that God has for his life. And for the next 40 years, he's the leader of the nation of Israel. Here's what's interesting. Don't miss this. At this moment, this whole conversation is happening there to the, at the burning bush. This, this whole interaction is there. And at this time, Moses is 80 years old. And so for the next 40 years, he leads the nation of Israel. So he's 80 years old when God calls him outside of his comfort zone. 80 years old, he could have gone, man, you know, this is my time to relax. This is my time to kind of scale down. And God goes, no, this is your time to step up. This is what I want you. I've created you for this purpose. And Moses does. And God makes him the leader of Israel the next 40 years is on the ride of his lifetime. He sees the good of God because he stepped in and followed his will. So what do you do with this? Let me just encourage you this week just to pray something similar, similar to this, to loosen your grip on your life and lean into God's direction for your life. Loosen the grip on your life and lean into God's direction for life. What do I mean by that? I mean, some of you, you are such a control freak for your life that you've got the next, like, Hours playing out, like hour by hour, you know, loosen the grip on your life and lean into God's direction for your life. And I promise you, if you lean into God's direction for your life, you will have zero regrets. But if you hang on to the death grip control you've got on your life, you could be missing some incredible opportunities that God wants you to step in, but because you're too scared or stubborn, you've got this death grip control going, I'm comfortable and I've got great excuses. Loosen the grip on your life and lean into the direction of God's will and plan for your life. And I promise you'll have zero regrets in the ride of a lifetime. Last summer, some buddies of mine taught me how to wake surf behind a ski boat. 
If you've wake surfed, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't wake surfed, I wouldn't recommend it. You're not missing out on much. So uh, if you don't know what it is, it's basically you're on a surfboard, so your feet are just on top of the board. They're not strapped in. And the way they taught me is you get pulled up by a rope, and you kind of pull yourself up while the boat's going. And at some point, you got to throw the rope into the boat and then lean onto the surfboard, and you kind of ride into the wake of the ski boat. And they were really good at it, and they had it down no problem. But for me, the hardest part, it was easy to get up and to get pulled. The hardest part is to throw the rope into the boat and to lean in. But if you could do that, all of a sudden, it was this fun ride. I think for many of us, we're going along, we've got this strong death grip, and God's going, if you would just let go of your own control, lean into my direction, I promise you, It'll be the ride of a lifetime, but we are so control heavy and we're so separate. We're going, I'm not quite sure, Lord, my life is going good right now. And God's going, yeah, but it could be going great. My life is easy right now. And God's going, yeah, but it could be purpose-filled. Loosen the grip of your life. Lean into the direction of God's plan for your life and see if it is in the ride of a lifetime. All right, Pastor Chris Emmett. And, you know, we're still in the story of Moses here. And I completely understand Moses' apprehension. Like, look, man, I'm, I'm chill now. I'm away from Egypt. I got my wife. I got my kids. I got my sheep. I'm chilling. And then God's like, nope, man, I got something for you. You, got, you have to do this. Mm -hmm. So are we just supposed to always remain in this constant state of readiness? Like almost like army reservists, just always prepared and ready to be called? Yeah, basically, um... Everyone who God has called seems to be, have been called in the middle of something. Mm. When he okay. calls uh, the disciples, they were in the boat. They were fishermen. Okay. <laughs> Leave that. I need you to follow me. It, it just seems like whenever God called someone, uh, they were fine where they were. Yeah. They were comfortable. It was all good. Everything was going well. And they just have to drop everything and follow him. And I think essentially... Everything we build for ourselves is nice, mm -hmm. it's comfortable, but we have to keep in mind that although we may have built things, God still has a different plan. Okay. And I think with Moses, it was like, I got away from everything that I was uh, trying to hide from or get away from, and now you want me to go back into the very thing I was trying to forget. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a little, so I feel like I mean, even with me, right? Mm -hmm. I had a nice job. I had a nice corporate job. And, and I got called here, and here I am. Like, it, it was just very abrupt, mm -hmm. and it happened very quickly. So is that kind of the story? Is that the way it's always going to be for everyone when they get called? Well, we, we don't know, okay. right? Some, some people have to drop everything, and others, it, it's really up to God. It's his divine, sovereign will. He, he chooses who he will. Yeah. And it behooves us to follow the call so maybe not question it so much and just go with the flow there yeah i mean is there any other plan that's no, worth following i such? don't think there is right ah, so it's yeah. like you know I, god tells you to go do something he always provides he yeah. always sends the necessities and so why not all right you know what? I think that's probably one of the best explanations we've had in a while. <laughs> Why not? And God will always take care of you. So we're going to go ahead and take care of some bills real quick, but we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. Loving always means that I look at the situation 
I pray, I seek God about the situation and what should I do? God, how should I handle this situation? You know my heart. You know I love all people. You know I want to be there for all people. But God, I feel like this is hurting more than it's helping. And some of us are not loving others because we're allowing them to learn bad habits by doing it on us. All right, there you have it. Pastor Dustin Barker wrapping it up for us. And as we do at the end of every show with our short clip, we ask our guest pastor to give the folks at home a Bible scripture that kind of goes with that. Can you, you got one for us? Sure. First uh, John chapter three, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ gave his life for us and we ought to do the same for our brothers and sisters. Uh, my mother always taught me that love is what love does. And so we do for people the way Jesus did for us, whether they accept it or not, whether they love us back or not, we show the love because we're not responsible for them. We're responsible for us. It's amazing, man. Thank you so much, Pastor no Emmanuel, problem. for being here. Please come back Thank again. You. Absolutely. All right, awesome. And uh, shout out to Excelling Church. Can't wait to see the new campus opening. And to our partnering churches, Northridge Church with Pastor Aaron, Elevation Point Church with Pastor Dustin, and Mountain Lake Church with Pastor Emmett. Thank you guys so much for those inspiring messages. Please keep them coming to see the complete sermons and other great sermons. Head over to ambotv.com. We always have great content there for you guys. And you can sign up for our daily newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you guys for watching. I love you. Good night, and I'll see you next week.